Well, hello there. Um, this is something a little bit different, a little bit of a personal project. So for any of you who are regular Wampa's Lair listeners, I just want to give a quick little intro as to what this little project of mine is. It is, it is not explicitly in any way a Star Wars project. Um, so just in the last year, a little over a year now, I've been making a new home for myself in the Episcopal Church, and I wanted to tell that story of how that came about. Um, so that's what this little uh, project is going to be. So if you're a regular Wampusler listener, this is not a Star Wars uh, segment. Uh, this is actually a pretty personal story for me, uh, but it was something I wanted to get out there to share mostly with some family and friends, but anyone else who might be interested in kind of the more spiritual side of my life. Um, this is the story of how I've kind of come into a new faith tradition. If that's something you're interested in hearing, please listen on. Um, if that's something that you have no interest in whatsoever, certainly feel free to just stop and uh, check out the next episode of, of Wampusler that'll be coming out in the next few days. Um, but for those of you who choose to stick around, uh, I hope that you enjoy this little story of mine. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to being able to share kind of this exciting journey I've been on in the last year. So stick around if you feel so inclined. If you're still here, I am going to imagine that you are ready to start listening to a story of, of a personal journey of mine. Um, and this all started uh, a little over a year and a half ago. Um, and, and so much of this story is is deeply personal in, in so far as, um, you know, I've always been a person of faith. I grew up in the Catholic tradition. It was a tradition that I've been part of my entire life. Um, but a little over a year and a half ago... Um, I started to feel and see God calling me and inviting me into a new tradition and into, into a tradition that felt like home. Um, so that's what this story is going to be. Um, and like all good stories, uh, my story, uh, it, well, actually really quick before I start telling the story, um, something I wanted to try too. And the reason I chose to do the audio route as opposed to writing like a long blog post about this is first off, I don't particularly love writing. Don't think I'm that good of a writer to begin with. Um, and I really like doing audio recordings. And um, I want to try something a little bit more creative. And, and something that's always been really important to me in my own spiritual journeys and formations has been just the use of music. So I wanted to be able to use some songs as I'm telling the story. Music that has been kind of instrumental in my own journey in the, in this last you know year and a half. And um, uh you can't do that in a written way. So uh, throughout this uh, little segment, I will be playing parts of songs that have been kind of instrumental to me in this particular journey. So like I was saying, um, it, a lot of journeys kind of kind of begin on a downbeat, right? Um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, I was I was in a very wonderful relationship that kind of came to an end. Um, it had run its course and... Um, it was hard to say goodbye to that, and and I was in a very just tough spot, you know, looking for what might be next in life, and uh, 
you know, kind of looking for people to connect with after losing this really wonderful connection. Um, so that's kind of where this all began. Um, and here's a song by Rob Thomas that helps illustrate how I was feeling. So this is this song called "Can't Help Me Now," um, like I said by Rob Thomas. Uh, got this? It's got this beautiful line in the refrain. Um, you know, you're the one that talks me down, but even you can't help me now. Um, it's ultimately this song about uh, someone you really need, someone you really rely on, not being there anymore, um, and you have to kind of figure it out on your own. And I think that's where I kind of started this journey is is uh, someone that I had relied on for so long and had been so wonderful and. and uh, helping me develop as a, as a person was no longer part of my life. Um, so I was kind of on my own. Um, but it's usually on our own where we, we kind of find the ability to really grow so much more profoundly because we, we get to really take kind of a, a certain level of really powerful ownership over who we choose to be and, and the journey we start to go on. Um, so that's kind of where it all began is, is somebody trying to just figure things out for myself now and, and where I wanted to go. Um, and luckily enough at that time, uh, I started growing really close to, uh, to two friends of mine. Um, you know, friends I've, if you are, if you're listening right now and you're a podcast listener, you've probably heard me mention these friends. Um, my friends, Tamara and Sarah, um, just became a really big part of my life at the time. And, um, at the time when I first got to know Tamara, Tamara was in the process of becoming an Episcopal priest and was always just a wealth of, of knowledge and wisdom and information. And, and her partner, Sarah, um, is a Methodist minister, also deeply, um, passionate about her own faith journey. And, um, uh, it was really wonderful to, to kind of find myself, um, with these wonderful people in my life who, uh, I really felt uh, were helping me just understand me by the fact that they knew themselves so well. Um, and uh, Tamara became the pastor of a of a Episcopal congregation in downtown Boston called the Crossing. And um, the the long and short of it is the Crossing was started um, a while ago, uh, primarily to support LGBTQ folks in the Boston area and giving them a, a, a comfortable place to to do worship. Um, and when Tamara became the pastor there, I literally decided just, I was like, well, I'm going to go and check it out sometime. I heard that the way they do worship was, you know, very creative, very, um, uh, very dynamic, um, very different from probably anything I had been used to. Um, so I, I decided to go check out this community simply with the <laughs> desire to just kind of uh, support a friend in her new ministry. And, um, I was really, really struck with how beautiful this community was at the crossing. Um, and something that became very apparent to me very quickly um, was that this is a community that really sees one another um, and listens to one another and validates one another in the intricacies of their own journeys. Um, many of whom have journeys much, much more difficult than my own. Um, and yet they, they still see you as just as important and, and, and everyone there is so incredibly valued and, and loved. Um, uh, 
And what was really, what's really great about the crossing is, is, uh, they have really a fun and eclectic music. Um, the musicians that they have, they're incredibly talented. Many of them are students at, at Berkeley uh, School of Music, so incredibly gifted in their craft. Um, and as I started going back to the crossing more and more, um, I was drawn to it because of that community. Um, first and foremost, I, I wasn't used to a community of people primarily in their 20s and 30s who were deeply passionate about their own faith journey. That was just something very new to me. Um, even, even when I was in grad school studying theology at Boston college, I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get that, that off that just real honest, um, raw vibe for people tr really trying to understand who God is and how God works in their lives. Um, and that was something that was just so apparent and so true at the crossing. Um, so as I kept going back more and more, um, it just literally made me like want to dance. There's, there's something about that community that, and, and as much as a goofball as I am, I, I I do tend to be a little bit more buttoned up whenever I'm in a new space. Uh, I just I get nervous, I get shy, but this particular community is just so um, welcoming and, and so wholesome, and you can't help but want to dance. and And they use some really fun music throughout their services that literally make several folks want to dance. and And I was surprised how quickly I was able to come overcome the nervousness that I I even felt myself and, and kind of just gave myself to the dance of, of this community. Um, it just, it makes you want to move. And that was something just very new to me. Um, and luck, luckily enough for me as well. Um, so in September of 2018, um, my grandfather passed away, uh, who I was incredibly close with. Um, I'm named after him. He's a, he was a deeply spiritual and devout man. Um, and uh, he, he was in seminary all through high school and college, discerning uh, of, to become a Catholic priest. Um, I'm very glad he didn't or I wouldn't exist. Um, but uh, when we lost him that September, it's the closest person in my life I'd ever lost. And that was really, really hard. Um, but I had this new community and they they really held me in that, that time when I was really hurting. Um, and it was really beautiful. So this next song I have queued up here, it's called, uh, Je dois partir. Um, it's by Talib Kweli and John legend is singing on the refrain in French and it translates to, I have to go. Um, and it was this beautiful revelation as I was coming home from New York, from all the funeral and stuff that it was time for me to go into something new. So even in the midst of, of one of the hardest losses I'd ever experienced, I also had this kind of new family forming and it was a church family. And it was the first time I really started to understand what the word church really means, right? So, and I, I, I studied it. I know in Greek, it means a community, a community called out. Um, but the crossing was the first time in my adult life that I ever really experienced church as it's supposed to be, which is a community, a family. Um, and like I said, I mean, I grew up Catholic um, and there's, and 
I've always loved so much of the Catholic tradition. Not all of it, clearly. <laughs> um, but there is so much beauty to it. And like I said, my grandfather was really formative, especially when I was younger, and in, in helping me to understand that and grow in that. Um, but also, is you know, in, in recent years, more and more and more, um, and I don't want to go into too many details here, but more and more, it just felt like the Catholic tradition didn't see me. Um, you know, things that I brought up, things that I thought were important that I was fighting for both in work and in my personal life, just didn't, you know, I, I all ever since grad school, I've worked in Catholic organizations. Um, and there's always, uh, you know, there's always restrictions. You can only ever do and say so much about the things that really matter because of some of the harder line doctrine within that tradition. Um, and I was noticing that here's this tradition that I don't have those same issues with. This is a tradition that, again, um, really sees seems to see people in a, in a, just a really powerful way. Um, so I was kind of, like I said, you know, I, 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 I needed to be seen. Um, I didn't feel seen, um, by the Catholic tradition I grew up in, but here was this new tradition that, that was seeing me. Um, so, um, this, this next song I want to cue up is it's, it's a song called glory by Dermot Kemp. Dermot Kennedy. Um, first off, I just love this guy's voice. It's great. Uh, it, it was a song that I, I heard uh, on a retreat that I was leading when I was when I was working at Emmanuel College. Uh, one of the students had picked it out, and it's it's just a really great song. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's this really great song about needing to see the glory in something. Um, and at a time when I wasn't seeing that glory and a tradition I grew up with, I was starting to see this level of glory um, in this in this new tradition. Became his version of a kingdom. She's everything the devil can't be. When she's singing to me, glory. A set of eyes a I love that line and that, that closing refrain of the song, you know, she's everything the devil can't be. She's singing to me glory. Um, and by this point, um, you know, what the, what the crossing also reminded me of was how much I needed my own, um, faith community, my own faith community to call a home. Um, like I said, I've, I've, I worked in a youth program. I ran college campus ministry programs. I worked pretty much every Sunday and I'd be present at Sunday services, but always in a work capacity. And what I kind of recognized with the crossing, which meets on Thursday nights, by the way, so that, that makes sense if it's not Sunday morning, um, is how much I needed uh, a faith community to call my own. Um, and with my last job, I was finally able to have Sunday mornings free. So I was like, all right, well, I should find a faith community to call home. Um, and I knew I wanted to look for an Episcopal church. Um, 
mainly because like I, like I said, it, you know, I was, I was really starting to see some glory there. I was really starting to see, um, God enfleshed in this community. Um, so I sought out a, a community not far from where I live, um, called parish of the epiphany. And, um, it's an incredibly welcoming and loving community. And, uh, the priest who was there when I first started going, uh, his name was Thomas Brown and, and just an incredibly lovely man. And shortly after I started attending, he was elected Bishop of Maine. Um, and it, which was really, really amazing. Um, you know, it was a, a very quick, uh, loss because it's like, wow, I really, really love this pastor. Um, but as he was, uh, elected to be bishop of, of a new community. Um, what was also really wonderful to see is uh, he's one of one of the few um, gay married Episcopal bishops now. Um, you know, while uh, the Episcopal Church is um, very open to, um, you know, LGBT uh, weddings and marriages um, and their clergy can be married, which obviously is a huge draw to me. Um, it was really great to see that this man who had done such beautiful work at Parish of the Epiphany was also being elevated to this new role and that people um, saw the value in all the beauty of the work that he, he had been doing. Um, so when I started attending Parish of the Epiphany, um, I just so quickly felt right at home there. Um, and again, that was because of the people. Um, I did like how Parish of the Epiphany – I, I the, the church itself, the physical church, um, is kind of a more Gothic style church. And I do love those styles of churches. I, I, I love to walk into a church building with high vaulted ceilings because it just draws my eyes right up. And it's like, yes, like that. I love that transcendent reality of being in a sacred space like that. Again, that's a personal thing for me. I know uh, some folks don't need that. Um, but when I walked into Parish of the Epiphany the first time, I mean, my, my eyes were drawn up by those, those ceilings. There's a beautiful sanctuary. Um, and it looked holy, but what made it holy was the community, was these people that they asked me my name that first day. They wanted to know who I was. Um, again, I was seen and I was heard. Um, and their, their liturgy is beautiful. It's, it's one of the best choirs I've ever heard in all the years I've done church work. Um, incredibly talented musicians. Um, and, and the preaching um, is phenomenal. So after Thomas left, um, uh, Miriam, who was the associate rector kind of took over in a, in a, in a bridge role for a little bit. And I can't say enough how much I loved being in a church and looking up at that altar and, um, seeing a woman perform, perform the, the Eucharist. Um, now obviously I am a man, <laughs> a, a white straight man at that. Um, so I'm used to seeing people that look like me doing things like that all the time. Um, but I remember it was, I'd only been going to the church for maybe a month or two and I was sitting in front of a family one Sunday morning and there was, um, a young girl sitting behind me and following along in the prayer book to all the, the prayers of the liturgy. And, you know, occasionally she would tap her father on the shoulder to ask questions. Obviously she lost her page, so he would help her, which was just really endearing to see, um, uh, but what I loved is that she was looking up at the altar and seeing a woman up there and it, it just struck me of like, wow, that's so beautiful that she can look up there. And if, if she wanted to, and obviously who knows, I mean, she may not want to at all, but if she wanted to, she could one day be up there if she wanted to be. And I loved that. And that is something that's obviously never been a reality in the Catholic tradition. Um, 
when I was a little boy, I always looked up at the altar wanting to be up there and I knew that I could. Um, but there were a lot of people that wouldn't have been. And, and I loved being in this place where anyone who looked up at that altar and watched somebody performing Eucharist, um, could know that they also, um, have a place there. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it kind of as this, this journey moved along, um, you know, still kind of holding on to that loss of this person that I was deeply in love with just a, you know, a year before this, um, there was a part of me that was still ardently looking for love. Um, but I felt that the closer I was getting to this Episcopal family, both at the crossing and at epiphany, I was finding love. Um, I was just finding it in a different way, um, in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, uh, I knew that God was bringing me home here and I was starting to see dreams of mine becoming possible. Um, and leads me to my next song called sooner or later by uh, my favorite band called mute math. And, um, it's this really wonderful song. It's kind of a song of hope of knowing that sooner or later, these things that we really, we really, you know, things that we really want are, are going to come, come about. song kind of became this new prayer for me um that sooner or later love was going to find you because love had been finding me um i was finding a very incarnational god in this new church community um and and that's something as well i've really come to love about the episcopal tradition is it's it's a very uh incarnationally based tradition um and what i mean by that is is kind of like Christmas time is, is a real big deal in the Episcopal tradition. Not that it's not in other Christian traditions, but it's kind of the focal point of a lot of what I've experienced because this is a community that is a church because of its community. Um, and, 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 and I was feeling so at home in that. And, you know, I love that line in, in that song too, where it says, um, underneath the starlight, uh, I've always loved that story in Genesis when, when God brings Abraham out and Abraham's all stressed out and worried. He still doesn't have this, this offspring that God had promised to him. And God brings Abraham out under this, you know, starry night sky and says, look up there, count the stars. If you can, that'll be the, the fruitfulness of my promise to you. Um, and you know, that, that story 
was, I don't know. I just felt like I was seeing it become real. Um, also at that time. So in February of just this past year, uh, Tamara was ordained, um, to the priesthood. And I remember just being at her ordination and, and how beautiful and powerful it was seeing this church community, this family that she helped to build up being there and, um, participating in that service was incredible. And, kind of watching her that day and um you know at the at the end of the the liturgy um bishop allen who's the episcopal bishop here in in massachusetts invited her her family up which is sarah her partner and um the the joyfulness on their faces that that morning i'll never forget it and it was just so beautiful because i was seeing god's dreams for somebody come real and um and it was in this very incarnational tradition. Um, so uh, kind of moving along after, after that, you know, um, one, of the, one of the joys of my time working at Emmanuel was getting to lead alternative spring break trips. And uh, the first spring break trip I led was to New Orleans with an incredible group of students and, and coworkers. And when we were at the... Uh, on the last, uh, the last full day we were in New Orleans, we, we went outside the city to do a tour of a plantation. And um, it was an incredibly powerful experience. Um, like I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy <laughs> and have always had privilege and have often never had to look outside my privilege because that's how privilege works. But that day, um, the young man who was giving us the tour um, just... Uh, did a phenomenal job of pointing out uh, how the sins of slavery still very much plague um, our culture. And I remember when I came home from that trip, it was abundantly clear to me that I needed to do something with that privilege that I had. Um, and, and, and I needed to be better. Um, and once again, this Episcopal church, um, both at the crossing and at Parish of the Epiphany, I saw people who were working against privilege, working and working with the privileges they had for those who didn't. Um, and I felt like even there, um, you know, this was a community that was ardently working to make sure that everybody is seen, that everybody's story is valued and, and has a place. Um, and while we were on that trip, uh, one of the students, uh, who was an incredibly gifted, uh, singer and, uh, guitar player, her name was Sam. Sam, uh, introduced the group to uh, an artist called King Princess and, um, really came to love this song of hers called 1950. And, um, well, I'm going to let her tell you it with the, uh, with the refrain. So tell me why my guys look like you And tell me why it's wrong So away
So I, I, I love that, that line in the, the start of the chorus. Tell me why my gods, tell me why my gods look like you. Um, right. And, and <laughs> we live within a Christian tradition that God is always God and the saints and Jesus and everyone is always depicted as white European people. Um, that's not both not historically accurate at all, but also incredibly, um, you know, marginalizing to anyone who's not white. <laughs> um, and, um, when I came home, I wanted to try to find ways uh, both in my work and in my own life to make sure I was working with the privilege I had so that others who weren't being represented could be. And to be fair, I've got a long way to go still. It's, it's a, it, it's obviously a lifelong process, but I felt that this tradition that I was now part of was so dedicated to that kind of work that it was easy to continue to process what that privilege of mine looked like and, and what to do with it. I had this community now that was going to help me figure all of that out. Um, not to mention a really good friend at work when I was at Emmanuel. Um, my friend Jeff was an incredibly powerful resource, um, with trying to figure out what I could do better. And, and Jeff r ran the um, diversity and inclusion office at, at Emanuel. And the friendship that we had just intensified as we also started working together to, to run more programs together on campus. And um, it really helped me meet students that I didn't know before and really get to hear stories from, from folks of different religious traditions and certainly different cultural traditions. And, um, you know, uh, it was great to have this this home church in which to even feel s supported and, and and encouraged in that kind of work. Um, but you know, at, at this point, I think where I really started settling in to being at home here in, in this Episcopal tradition was the fact that it saw uh, the one part of me outside of my faith life that I love most of all, which is my passion for star Wars. Clearly I'm recording this through a star Wars podcast that I run. Um, and it was at this time that the, the, um, I had really come to love the movie solo, um, a star Wars story. And it's the story. It's ultimately a love story about Han Solo and Chewbacca and how they meet and, um, become, you know, incredibly close. And the thing that's beautiful about that story is, is much like my own journey had started, Han was somebody who was kind of looking to the past, looking to this person that he thought he was supposed to be with, and then realizing that love was finding him in a way he never expected, which was in the person of Chewbacca. Um, and at this time too, I even noticed that out, even outside of my church community, I was that church community was helping me feel so empowered and seen that I started building up like this star Wars family right here in Boston. Um, you know, some of my closest friends, um, Greg and Ben, for instance, um, you know, have been an incredible part of my journey for a long time, but they were really starting to feel like family. Um, and I, and I credit a lot of that to, um, the reality that I, I, I was starting to see what a, a family community looks like um, through the, uh, the Episcopal tradition. Um, so I want to play a Star Wars song. Shocking. Um, 
But this is this is a, a moment where we get to hear Han Solo's theme. Um, it's this very triumphant blast of his theme, and it goes into this beautiful theme for Chewbacca, which is um, uh, just it just feels like fresh air to me. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I was feeling at that point in in my journey. Last year, um, on May the 3rd, so the day before Star Wars Day, um, I went and got myself a, a, another tattoo where I got the um, the silhouette of the Millennium Falcon cockpit on my forearm. And the reason I chose that was because the Millennium Falcon in the story of Solo kind of became the symbol of the Episcopal Church in my journey. The Millennium Falcon for Han becomes the vehicle through which he gets to fly among the stars, where he gets to go after what he dreams big about. And I was finding the Episcopal Church was that for me. It was this vehicle through which I felt like I could fly in the stars, that, that you know, any of my dreams could eventually be realized. Um, so that year, um, just last year, I, I went ahead and got that Millennium Falcon cockpit tattoo. Uh, is it, is a forever reminder of this tradition that has helped me come into the stars. Um, and like I said, th- that story of, of solo was so important to me because like I said, it, it was a story that revealed to me that love often finds us in ways we don't expect. And in my own prayer life um, at this point in the tradition too, um, I was more and more encountering God as mother. Um, and if any of you ever follow me on, you know, maybe my personal social media, you, you might see that I occasionally post little prayers that I write where I address the mother and, and I'm referring to God there. Um, and my own experience of God in prayer has been increasingly that of a mother. Um, and it, it, not that that is, that is who God is in and of itself. Um, but as I was experiencing God more and more as a mother, there was this tender love and, and compassion that I was experiencing in my own prayer and spiritual life. Um, that was also being enfleshed in the tradition I now was becoming a part of. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of credit I give to, um, you know, the pastor at, at, at Parish of the Epiphany, Miriam. Um, Miriam is just such a beautifully passionate and dedicated priest who um, in her own ministry, again, I, I felt like this internal spiritual life and this internal prayerful experience of God as mother. I was also seeing kind of God as mother through so many of the leaders of this church tradition. Um, and, and it just, it was like everything was hitting on the right cylinders. Um, 
So last year on May the 4th, I, which is Star Wars Day, it's a, a huge deal. Love that day. Um, obviously, we just had it just a few days ago. Um, but I was originally going to be received formally into the Episcopal Church that day. Um, but unfortunately it couldn't happen because, uh, at the time, um, just some stuff with work, it just wasn't going to be able to, to happen that year. Um, so we held a little, uh, informal, uh, re- reception service at a star Wars party that I had at my apartment. And, um, some of my dearest friends from the crossing and my, some of my dearest friends from my star Wars family all came together under my roof. It was one of the most beautiful days of my life. Um, I got to see uh, f- friends of mine that, that mean the world to me interact with each other and meet one another. Um, it's to this day, one of the most special days of my life. And um, Tamara did me the honor of, you know, uh, kind of helping lead the service. Um, and, you know, she empowered me to, to write up a little service myself um, and was very helpful putting that together. And, um, being there with these close friends, these, this family of mine, uh, who just, and you know, so many of my friends that came aren't even particularly religious, but they gave themselves fully to, to the experience that day. And, um, it was just this beautiful little informal service where my community recognized that I am part of this church now. And, and it was just so beautiful. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's, uh, so, uh, another song I want to, queue up here, which, um, his was extremely important in putting together that liturgy is an, it's another song by, um, mute math. Um, and it's called work of art. And this particular song talks about kind of, uh, working towards, um, realizing, um, who you are. So let me, sorry. I forgot to cue this one up right. <laughs> so, all right, here. The second verse was a prayer I used. I love that line. Uh, lay your head to rest. Um, you know, everything that's come around has come come around in who you are, right? So, it felt like this journey I was on. It it wasn't quite to where I wanted it to be at that point, but my God, it was getting closer. Um, and that day when all those friends of mine were here, when my when that church community was here in my house. Um, uh, I was so fully seen and, and, um, and into this church that now felt like a family. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was so powerful and beautiful. And that day, I mean, yes, there were a lot of friends there who were Episcopalian, but there was also like Sarah was there. Um, cause she's, she's often there with, where with Tamara because that's just who they are. They, support one another and all that they do. Um, and their love makes you better. <laughs> um, and, but also that day was, uh, one of, one of our, my really good friends, Katie, Katie is a Unitarian minister and she was there and she's also a hardcore star Wars fan. So, um, it was so great having her there and just 
this ecumenicism that kind of existed there um, was something that I've also really come to love in the Episcopal tradition is the, the reality that they, these folks love their tradition, but never at the expense of other traditions. They're always, there always seems to be this openness to learning from traditions different from their own. And um, I don't, I think that's something just to be so darn proud of um, the willingness to be, to be open from, to learning from anyone, from any tradition. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, these folks just, uh, just made that day for me. Um, so you know, as I got closer and closer to, uh, you know, this Episcopal community, this Episcopal family, um, you know, every, every June, um, Tamara and Sarah worked together with their two congregations to take part in the pride parade here in Boston. I've never been in one before. I've never gone. I, crowds kind of freak me out. I'm, I just get really stressed out, but, um, I really wanted to march with these folks that had become like my family. Um, and there was something extremely beautiful about that day. Um, and I know, you know, the folks that are marching there are fighting for something a lot harder than I am because uh, just in different places. Um, but I loved being there with this Episcopal family of mine. And, and I remember before the parade even started, I, I got to chat with Bishop Allen for a few minutes who was marching with us. Um, and just the, the, the compassion and tenderness of, of his care for the folks that were there that day was so apparent. Um, and I remember just chatting with him, um, about some stuff and, and him just, you know, putting his arm around me and saying, you know, oh, I'm so glad you're here today. And this is the Bishop coming from the Catholic tradition. I've never experienced anything like that. Um, except for, you know, on confirmation day when they, do your photo shoots. But, but this was a, this was a Bishop, a man who saw me as a person, saw everyone there as a person and genuinely cared. Um, and it's like, wow, that's, this is even up there at the leadership level. This isn't just at the ground level. Um, but there, there's even a Bishop here who, who advocates for love in all of its beauty. Um, and, um, you know, that, that same year, um, Sarah's own tradition, like I said, Sarah's a Methodist minister, uh, had to deal with a really hard blow when the United Methodist Church decided to maintain what's called the traditional language of, of their services and traditional practices, which basically just meant no LGBT folks were welcome to be married or welcome to be um, ministers. And Sarah held this beautiful uh, service of healing at her church, um, old West church in, in downtown Boston, where again, folks from all sorts of traditions, not just Methodist folks were there. I mean, you had Episcopalians, you had Presbyterians, you had Lutherans, you had folks of no faith, everyone and anyone was welcome there. And it was just this beautiful service. Um, and, uh, so this next song is called Holy, um, again, uh, by the artist King princess. And, I just felt like this was a community that that these things I was experiencing, these incarnational modes of love, um, were something truly holy. Ooh. 
So, right, these things that these folks were doing were just so holy, right? And there was just this ardent intentionality to make sure that folks were loved and were celebrated in the way that they love. So, um, you know, at, at this point in the journey, I knew that this was my home. This was the tradition I wanted to be part of. Um, and just this past summer, um, I, I went with, uh, my friend Jason, who I do this podcast with, um, uh, out to the Northern Redwoods in Northern California. We were going to go to some of the locations where they filmed, uh, scenes for the planet of Endor and in return of the Jedi. And up to this point, all of the connection I was feeling to the Episcopal tradition was for the most part in the external reality of, of a church community. And, and that, I'm not diminishing that at all. It was obviously incredible and beautiful. And, but it, there was still this part of me that was waiting for kind of just that, that spiritual awakening, that spiritual confirmation, if you will, that I, that this home that was the right place for me. Um, and while we were in the redwoods, um, we, at one point we'd been hiking around for a bit. We were just sitting down on a, on a log and it was a beautiful day. I mean, we're talking like the sun was out. It was like mid sixties with a nice breeze. Um, and I was just sitting there on this log and closing my eyes. All, all you can hear is the breeze and the, moving the trees. Huh, how that rhymed. Um, and just the quiet. And uh, the thing I've always loved about Jason is whenever Jason and I are off doing any little adventures together, he always gives me the space to just do what I need to do when I'm doing it um, and vice versa. Uh, he, he's just been a great pal all these years. Um, so I'm sitting there on this tree and I just, you know, I'm like, I'm going to close my eyes and just sit here in the silence. And just immediately it came to me that that, that presence of, of God as mother. And I felt so wrapped up in that moment and, um, in my own prayer life, my prayer tends to be very imaginative. Um, that is something I, I credit to my, uh, my Jesuit schooling. I, I love Ignatian spirituality that comes out of the Jesuit tradition. Um, and, it, and there's a lot of imaginative, imaginative prayer encouraged within that tradition. And, and that is something that will stay with me the rest of my life. Um, but as I was sitting there with my eyes closed, just feeling and wrapped up in this love of God, um, just this image came to me of, of a little book of common prayer sitting next to me on the log and just this, this compulsion to want to open it and pray with it. Um, and the book of common prayer, which is obviously the heart and soul of, of the Anglican tradition, which the Episcopal church is obviously part of. Um, what's so beautiful about the book of common prayer is that it was literally created at a time when the Catholic tradition was barring any normal, you know, any common citizen from, actively participating in so many forms of liturgy. And yet here came this book of common prayer with all the liturgies in it. So you could follow along to everything and it was in your language. <laughs> um, it was really about making it accessible so that everyone could participate. So I'm sitting there in these woods. And at this point I, I, I had like a, a little book of common prayer under my bed that I occasionally used, but it was in that moment where it was like, yes, this is the tradition that is going to continue to feed me. So when I got home that summer, 
I went ahead and ordered myself a, like a nice leather bound version of the book of common prayer. Um, and, uh, and it's become the mode through which I do evening prayer every night. Um, so this was again, like, it was like, man, this is, this is, this is where I belong. This is home to me. Um, so at the end of the summer, I chose to, um, take a, take a retreat. I often would try to, I often try to take retreats at the end of the summer before a school year starts just to kind of re-energize. And, and I love, I love going to places that I usually go to monasteries because I love the silence. Um, I find them an incredibly prayerful space for myself. Um, but I wanted to try going to a, an Episcopal, uh, retreat center. So, um, you know, um, at, at Paris of the Epiphany, Miriam had mentioned the Bethany, Bethany house of prayer, which is also very close to where I live. And I went and stayed there for just a weekend long retreat on my own, just self-led. Um, and what struck me about Bethany house of prayer is, um, it's run by the sisters of St. Anne and they're part of this Anglican movement known as the Anglo Catholic movement. Um, so everything about that retreat center, I, I felt like it was Catholic, but it was Episcopal. Um, because again, it's, it's something that grew out of that tradition. Um, and kind of this love for this Anglo Catholic movement really helped me bond with a, a friend of mine who I met through the crossing named Jimmy. And Jimmy is someone in, in formation for, um, priesthood in the Episcopal tradition is, and, um, Jimmy also loves kind of like that higher church, that higher liturgy and kind of those Anglo Catholic things, you know, incense, statues, things like that. Like, um, Jimmy's always been a great, uh, person to, to talk about those passions in, in this tradition. Um, but what became real to me when I was on that retreat is, um, there was, you know, this fear of like, oh, if I, if I become part of this tradition, does that mean I'm leaving behind everything I love from Catholicism? And it just came to me in prayer one evening where, <laughs> where I felt like God was literally saying to me, um, and when I say literally, I don't mean that, I don't hear voices, but I heard God speak in my heart and say, that stuff doesn't belong to any tradition that belongs to me. And that can go anywhere with you. And I was just blown away with how beautiful and true that was. Um, and I knew that this kind of spiritual love language I have that has been so informed by the Catholic tradition was going to be very welcomed within this new tradition. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of coming out of that experience, um, you know, I knew this is where I was supposed to be. Uh, I felt it in all the right ways, in all the right places. Um, and while I was on that retreat at Bethany House, um, a song that really kind of became the heart of so much of my prayer is a song called Creature by the band Half Alive. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna let some of this play for a little bit. Look inside of me and see that I am not afraid To walk inside the void like a kid inside a cave Discovering the patterns of my soul and where it's placed I've been mapping many caverns but it still feels like a maze I know I'm made of clay that's worn by imperfect form that I will trust the artist molding me 
And this is how I felt, um, both uh, haunted and holy. Um, and that's what I—that's what I was experiencing in this new tradition, this new home—is that all of me is holy, all of my creatureliness is beautiful and lovely, um, and worth celebrating, and worth growing into. Um, and as I prayed throughout the the rest of that weekend, the mantra that kind of kept coming to me from God was hold me holding you. And the, the amount of love that I felt around me all weekend was nothing short of God themselves. And this was a God that was being made more and more real to me through this new tradition, this new family. Um, who reminded me made in glory even the depths of the night cannot blind me when you guide me So as I kind of start to bring this journey home, bring it to a close, if you will, um, by the way, I'm also going a lot longer than I was planning. So if you're still with me, thank you. <laughs> um, but you know, at this point I knew this is where I wanted to be. Um, uh, Parish of the Epiphany was now my home. I loved that sacred. I love that sacred space. Um, um, the crossing also is a place sacred and holy, because of the folks there and the way that they see one another. Um, and both these, both of these spiritual homes at the crossing and at epiphany were supporting me as I started to consider leaving a ministry that I loved. Um, I loved my time at Emmanuel. I loved the students that I had the privilege to work with and, and minister with um, and the colleagues that have added so much to my life. But I knew that I couldn't stay for too much longer because I knew that my childhood dream of being ordained someday was finally finding a, a home in the Episcopal tradition. This was a place where I was finally going to be able to start living into that dream that I'd had since I was a little boy. Um, a dream that I had come close to several times in the Catholic tradition, but but never went all the way because I, I couldn't. I couldn't be... I couldn't be part of a tradition that I would have to be celibate in to be completely honest. But also as I've grown into this Episcopal tradition, I also knew that I wanted, if I was going to ever be 
an ordained leadership someday. I'd want it to be around people that don't all look like me, that don't all think like me. Um, and I'm not saying that that's true of the Catholic tradition, that everybody thinks and looks the, exactly the same. Of course not. Um, but I'll flush it out with this little story. Um, uh, so Tamara's Congregation of the Crossing is part of um, several uh, ministries that work out of the Episcopal Cathedral in downtown Boston. Um, and the Episcopal Cathedral, uh, the, the dean of the cathedral is um, a woman named Amy. And Amy is um, was kind enough to invite me to come and preach one Sunday morning to their community. And I take any opportunity to preach than I can. I, I love to preach. Um, probably a little too long-winded, as is evidenced here. <laughs> um, but that Sunday morning, as I was as preaching at the cathedral in the city, um, and I was standing behind the altar, standing behind Amy as she was doing the prayers of consecration, I felt like I was right there. Like this, this was the person of, you know, Christ was right here present and was especially present because of who Amy was. Um, and there are several folks that are part of that, that come to that community on Sunday mornings who, you know, uh, are, are wheelchair bound or, or handicapped in some way. So Amy then goes out to the, into the, you know, the, the main church space to bring the Eucharist to folks that can't come forward to receive it. And Amy brought the the bread out and I brought, I was following behind her carrying the wine. And just that morning, I remember thinking, I feel, I feel like I'm one of those early apostles that was just following Jesus when, when they left the boat. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that Amy is Jesus or any priest is Jesus, but there was, there's just such an authenticity in the love of her ministry that as I was following behind her, I knew that this was a, this was a church in which I could feel fully alive in pursuing that, um, that dream, uh, towards priesthood. Um, because what I'd come to learn is that this Episcopal tradition was showing me a love that I hadn't known before. So this song here is called Love Like This by Ben there Rector. An and used to be in this song, he just kind of reflects on finding something in your life that is so lovely, that is so loving, that you've never seen anything like this. Never started saving money But everything is different Since you've been around It's the way you're smiling at me It's in the way you hold my hand It's the way I've watched you change me From a boy into a man It's a million things about you And I don't know what it is I have never known a love like this And I haven't <laughs> This has been never used to get Some of the most challenging And beautiful times in my life In the last year and a half And I've had this tradition That's held my hand through all of it That's held me up During some of the hardest parts of it And especially now Losing a ministry that I've loved so much. Um, but I have this church family that continues to hold me. And I feel so blessed and so lucky to be part of it. Um, and I feel so blessed and lucky that you're listening. <laughs> so if you've made it to here, thank you. 
Um, I really appreciate it. It's a million things about you And I don't know what it is But I've never known a love like this So to kind of close this out, I you know, just to be a little, a little more fun. Um, as I've made this decision to, to, you know, kind of move on from, from my previous ministry, um, at Emmanuel and start to pursue ministry, um, in the Episcopal tradition, uh, the tradition that I've now come to call home. Um, I really feel like this church family that I now have is going to always have my back. Um, and there's a song I've been listening to a lot during this pandemic just because it's fun, it's chill, makes me feel good when I sit on the back porch. Uh, it's by an artist named Pink Sweat called Drama. It's just about knowing that people got your back. And I feel that this church, that this family has my back. Roll it up, roll it up Pass it all around cause it's all love Real ones surrounding me Good vibes is all I need Yeah, I know they wanna see me low For reasons I won't know But I got some real hitters with me And they might shoot I got some real things on my mind And no, it ain't you No, I don't want no problems I got dreams I ain't for I shoot, don't move, boss things, boss things. Young man, how you doing, boss things? Yeah. Big dreams, big dreams. Mama said, son, you gon' do big things. Yeah. You just gotta, you just gotta go get it. Money piling up like we bout to go swimming. Gotta play the game like you the only one in it. Oh, yeah. Real ones surrounding me. Good vibes is all I need. Yeah, I know they want See me low for reasons I won't know But I got some real hitters with me And they might shoot Got some real things on my mind And no, it ain't you No, I don't want no problems I got dreams I ain't far from But I got some real hitters with me And they might shoot Might shoot Don't move So, to all of you and my Episcopal family, um, thank you for having my back. Thank you for being there and giving me so much of yourself and helping me find a new home. Um, because it's all of you, all of you people that have done this for me. All of you at The Crossing, all of you at Epiphany, and everyone I've met in between. Um, I thank you for helping me find a new home. And... This just a few months ago, we got the the final Star Wars Skywalker saga movie with the rise of Skywalker. And I got to see that movie with my family. I got to go um, with my friends Greg and Ben that second night. I got to go with Tamara and Sarah and Katie one night later. And as I watched that movie and I watched this character of Rey, the, the new hero in the Star Wars movies, come to a new home in herself confident in who she was willing to take on a name that was never her name to begin with i feel ready to take on a new home to be part of 
this new tradition um, that here's here's who I am that wants to know my name that makes my name mean something um, and I am so blessed to be there um, and for any of you that are listening right now who are like what is that playing in the background this is the last song from episode 9 the rise of Skywalker called a new home John Williams bringing us home <laughs> um, so anyway if you've listened to this as me kind of ramble for the past hour uh, thank you so much for listening um, I hope that in some small way this journey of mine my own story helps you in your own and more importantly hopefully gives you a way through which um, you'll think about telling your story um, whatever story that may be um, because our stories matter um, we matter so hopefully you'll you'll tell yours too um, so I'm going to leave you with one final song once again from mute math and it's a song called safe if we don't look down so I'm just going to let this play out um, I'm going to close my thoughts here and um, you know just thank you to everyone who's blessed my life and this this part of my journey. Tamara and Sarah, Greg and Ben, Katie, Miriam, Bishop Allen, um, the students of Emmanuel, especially the, the alternative spring break trip to Phoenix just a few months ago. So many folks have touched my life, have touched my heart. Um, and that's where the church is. It's in that community all. So I hope you find it. And just remember that we're still we're all in an unknown right now, but we're gonna be all right. We'll be safe if we don't look down. Strangers to the ground, we've been running with the sun. Frolic all our sense away, wonder what we've done. 